This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Mint Mobile. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, March 31st, 2023. And I have the excellent Ara Wagoner here with me from Android Police. Hi, Ara. How are you? I'm very much frazzled and a little bit tired because this is the last day I'm working before I take an actual like week off and detoxify and try to keep myself from burning out because it's just been... A, it's it's been like a nonstop year since I started. It's been a year already. Yeah, I know. Like just the last three months, it feels like it's been a year to me. Like tech has just not stopped, just dropping crap on our heads. The last twelve months have been a very very long journey, and I'm very very happy because uh, for March, April, and at least the beginning little sliver of May, I have what can actually be called downtime. There's no product launches. There are no huge sales events that are going to eat up all of my time like Prime Day this summer. It's it's, it's just going to be nice. And I get to go watch fireworks every night because I live at Walt Disney World. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's hope it stays that way because I'm fully expecting something to come and just like put everything in shambles. But you won't have to deal with that if you're taking a break. So. Let's see. So we got a bunch of news this week. A lot of it is not super exciting because it's not, you know, like groundbreaking news. But there are some new phones in here that are pretty significant for markets outside the U.S. anyway. Uh, Global markets. So not just China, because generally I don't focus on China only phones. And then, you know, the rumor mill, the news mill, the, you know, leaks. So I want to start with a Redmi Note 12 series. Finally announced. I got two of them here. I need to do an unboxing video for you folks. But I got the Note 12 Pro and the Note 12 Pro Plus, which are kind of both like the the meat of the series. There's also like a, a Note 12, of course. There's a Note 12 Turbo for China, which is what I just was saying about a phone that we'll probably never see. But for those of you who are looking for a really great phone, like a Swiss army knife type phone, like think Galaxy S23 Ultra, but at a a third of the price, like 450 or so, this is it. Like this is one of the phones that every year I'm just like, man, I cannot believe how much stuff Xiaomi can pack in a phone, keep it affordable and make it a really great experience. So yeah, Note 12 series is out. And um, what are your thoughts on that initially? I mean, they're pretty enough phones and the prices are competitive. I mean, at this point, when I hear S23 Ultra and when I hear Note, I'm like, okay, where's my stylus? Right. But at the same time, I mean, these 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 phones look pretty decent. The color is really spectacular, although there are going to be better colors that we'll get to in a bit on some of these other ones. Uh, the 200 megapixel camera... The samples look good, but they are camera samples taken by a journalist, so I'm I can't I have to take them with like two big pinches of salt. Well, not just any journalist, because that the story I posted that I'll put in the show notes is by Andy Boxel of Digital Trends, and Andy and I are good friends. He's like me; he's a mobile photographer. Like he is, you can give him almost any phone; he'll take a good photo. So, but what stands out for me here, Ara, is this is a 200 megapixel ISOCELL. HPX sensor with OIS on a $450 phone. This is not just some, you know, 200 megapixels so we can print it on the back of the phone, you know, kind of sensor. This is a good sensor. This is a one of, you know, Samsung top three or so sensors. And they put it in a $450 phone and they didn't, you know, do what they always do at this price point, which remove OIS. No, they kept it. Now, of course, the ultra wide and the macro are like stupid, you know, eight megapixel generic, two megapixel generic. But you look at that sensor and you're like, okay, so you didn't give us the best one. You give us a pretty good one. So this one is basically 0.6 microns and it lets you do binning in two ways. You can do binning you know, four to one to get to 50 megapixels. And then you can do binning 16 to one to get to, you know, 12.5 megapixel. And that's exactly the same as, you know, S23 Ultra does, right? Because there are some 200 megapixel sensors that do not support that middle 50 megapixel binning. But this one also does not support native 2X 
zoom, which some sensors do. So like, for example, on the Galaxy S23 Ultra, if you punch in 2x, it's taking a crop of the sensor, but it's pixel binning that 50 megapixel center into 12.5. And that's actually supported by the hardware in the sensor and in the Snapdragon chip. So you end up with what they call lossless zoom, because really you're not like taking a 200 megapixel photo and doing some kind of weird zoom on it. You actually are taking real pixels. You know, you're losing the ability to bin them 16 to one, you're binning them four to one. So low light could be a little iffier because there's very small pixels. But this is really exciting that, you know, other than that feature, this sensor has everything else and for $450. So that's kind of why I think Andy got excited in his story because he's like, okay, like this is a real deal. Like in the past, the Note series from Redmi has always omitted things like OIS. They've been like, well, that's where we can save money, but not this time. We're getting the whole enchilada. So that's got me excited too. Well, I mean, for a 200 megapixel sensor, I can't understand having any camera sensor that's above 100 megapixel that doesn't have OIS. Because if once you start pixel binning in, any, any amount of shake is going to look terrible. Like, the OIS yeah. is more important than having the big sensor to begin with. I agree 100%. And that's why I'm always bummed when I see them put these decent, good quality sensors in these two to $400 phones and then not put OIS in them. I'm like, I'd rather you take last year's sensor or two years ago's, like, 48 or whatever, and give us OIS and go nuts with, like, 108 megapixel. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, that doesn't look good on paper, so... Well, making a phone look good on paper does not really help make a phone look good in real life. Because, I mean, you mentioned the ultra-wide and the zoom and the telephoto lenses on here being basically potatoes. And that's just kind of how they are on everything that isn't, like, the Galaxy S23 or the Pixel 7 Pro. I right, mean, even exactly. the Pixel... Actually, even the Pixel 7. The Pixel 7's uh, ultra-wide is trash. The Pixel 7 Pro got a slight upgrade to it, but even then, it's just a, such an inferior sensor compared to the main one that it just, you you zoom out to ultra-wide and you're like, yeah, but this cam this picture just doesn't look anything like what my normal sensor did, and it just looks duller and, uh, it looks duller, it looks less nice. Like, I, uh, when, when I, ha when I'm on a Pixel 7, or if I'm on any Pixel, since I always get the small ones, I don't get the pros, even though I would really love those, uh, like, macro sensors. Um, since I already have a regular, like, Pixel 7, Pixel 6, all of those, and I have the Baby S23, I hardly ever come out of uh, the main sensor outside of the right. 3x zoom on the uh, Galaxy S23, which even then, the 3x zoom just doesn't leave a whole lot to be desired when... Uh, you compare it to the main sensor. So I'm... For sure. I I really almost wish phones like this would just be like, okay, we're going to put all of our money into the main sensor rather than just giving you a crap ultra-wide to say it has an ultra-wide. Yeah, yeah. That's the one drawback. Like, because you're discounting the user. Yeah. 100%. But honestly, when you see what they're doing in that main sensor, I'm not too upset about it. Like, I agree. It'd be more balanced if there was like, say, a 50 megapixel sensor for the main and then like a, a nicer, like uh, maybe a 50 megapixel for the ultra wide, right? Even if you're not going to do like a super good, like telephoto lens, if you're going to have a sensor that big, just let us crop in further from the main sensor for like 5x, 10x, 30x. You can bin, yeah. uh, you can just like crop down and then pixel bin. Well, so with 200 megapixels, the maximum you can crop down that native pixel is 4x, right? Yeah. And 108 megapixels, the maximum you crop down because it's 9 to 1 pixel binning is 3x, right? So let's put that in perspective. That's also why if you look at the good old Lumia 1020 back in the day at what, like 41 megapixels, it only let you do, I think it was 3x native, like, lossless zoom. zoom, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, you, if as soon as you go over 4x, on a 200 megapixel, you're you're doing some sort of interpolation. That doesn't mean it's bad. I think there's a lot of 50 megapixels that can do 5x just fine. For example, Pixel 7, right? You can punch into 5x with the super res zoom, you're gonna get a good experience. And you know, it's not just Google that's doing super res zoom now, they call it something else, but a lot of other Chinese makers are doing some sort of like image stacking using the OIS and or the fact that your hands are moving a little bit to kind of get sub-pixel interpolation. This is totally an ISP technique at this point. 
Whether they implement it or not, that's the question, right? And then sometimes they save them on money on just the software by not implementing it. Because I think some of these algorithms are licensed by other companies, so they have to pay for them. But if you look at the rest of this phone series, I've, I've got like GSM Arena open right now, and I'm comparing the Pro Plus to the Pro to the Turbo. And display-wise, they all have a beautiful 120 hertz, you know, OLED 1080p panel at 6.67 inches. Now, the Turbo has an extra bright display, which is where it um, is a little different. And more color palette as well, 68 billions versus 1 billion, which is like, what? Really? Do you need that much? I don't know. But um, you look at the rest of it, they're all very similar. But the main cameras are different. The Pro Plus has a 200 megapixel, the Pro has a 50, and the Turbo has a 64. And they all have OIS, which is interesting. And then, of course, they all have stereo speakers. They all have fingerprint sensors built into the power lock key. That way it saves a bit of money. It's not under display. I love it when they do those. I mean, yeah, I I, I understand why people love having it just like on the screen. Because you're obviously, if you're picking up a phone, you're going to touch it with your finger. You might as well use that to unlock. But right. Unless it's an ultrasonic sensor like Samsung's. Like, I hate optical sensors for fingerprint scanners just because they're just going to light up your hand like E.T. And as a night owl, like, I don't <laughs> need that at three in the morning right. when I have completely <laughs> overshot my bedtime by binging a hundred chapters of some trashy romance fantasy manhwa from uh, Korea. <laughs> I mean... I getcha. If you could put it in the power button, then A, it's easier to replace because it's a component that is already made to be uh, easy to detach from the phone because it's a button. Uh, and also it just means that case makers like cannot completely, utterly just like entomb your phone in... Uh, <laughs> I love that word. That's a good in, one. In uh, different plastics because it's like, oh, you, you need to be able to touch the fingerprint sensor. So you have to be able to physically touch your power button. So you don't have yeah. to deal with any of the like clickiness or gooiness that some people complain about when they t uh, when we're talking about covered buttons and cases. Hundred percent. All three of them have headphone jacks, which I think is cool. Uh, Five thousand milliamp hour batteries, sixty-seven watt charging, and here's the other thing: the Pro Plus has hundred and twenty watt wide charging, which. To be fair, the Note Eleven Pro Plus last year also had. So you know, Xiaomi's been pushing one twenty watt on their. High-end mid-range phones, I guess. This is a mid-range. I don't know. I don't know where to place this. $400 is actually slightly cheaper than mid-range. But spec-wise, this is definitely a mid-range phone. Anyway, like no wireless charging here, obviously, because China doesn't do this unless they go really high-end. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with a 120-watt, 5,000 milliamp hour charging. Like, Well, I mean, if you're... Just recharging this phone is going to take, like, what? 45 minutes from 0 to 100? Not even. Uh, 120 watt, it's going to take you like about 20 minutes. Ugh. All right. 67 watt will take you about 45 minutes, 40 minutes. Yeah. See, after years of just using like Google and Samsung phones and again, using yeah. the small ones, so not even getting that ridiculous 45 watt charging that is so freaking hard to hit unless your phone is flat out dead. Right. Yeah, no. I, I want to be able to just plug my phone in for five minutes and just get like 30% out uh, back. So that way I can just like, oh, I'm I'm going to head to the park. I'm going to like have a quick snack or go like use the restroom. And then I'm going to grab my phone and go and I can just plug my phone in for a few minutes and just get back up to what I need in order to survive four hours in a theme park with taking photos of uh, fireworks. So if you have one 30% in five minutes, you need 120 watt at least. Yeah. But hey, I mean, that's what extended power range is for, man. We're finally getting from 100 to 240. Just as soon as some phones in the West will freaking support it. Yeah, so I have the, the Realme GT3 here, the 240-watt charger, and it's yeah. nine, minutes, 9 minutes to 100, and it is unbelievable. You plug it in for 80 seconds, and you get something like 20%, 25 or something. Like... Yeah, see, I, I, I don't understand how that hasn't migrated here. Like, we have been so held back. <laughs> because Americans are kind of boring and have habits. And their habit is to plug their phone in at night, which is why we have optimized charging on the Pixel, right? Because you don't need to charge at even maximum, like, PD charging. You need to, to hold back and, you know, get that 100% when your alarm goes off, basically, right? And I think well, that's a yeah, fair I mean, good thing. For 
But you look at other countries, you look at India, for example, people do not charge overnight. They charge opportunistically. They don't always have power at the house because outages are common. They might be out and about and they might need to plug in for a little bit. And that's why in markets like that, higher speed charging really makes a lot of sense. You carry that big brick around, but at least you get, you know, an opportunity to charge for 10 minutes, you get 20, 30%, right? And you get to go for like the rest of the day or whatever. And on top of that, that charger, most of these charging bricks, like the one for the 240 watt charger, are PD compliant. So they will charge your laptop. They will charge another phone that doesn't necessarily use that technology. So they're starting to make these bricks kind of universal. And, you know, you get them included. Well, I mean, that's just, that was the dream of power delivery and USB-C, wasn't it? One, one well, charger, yeah. one cable. That's just such a, it's just such an inbox zero kind of a thing that I know we're never going to get to, but I dream of it anyway. I think we're mostly there, honestly. I mean, I look at my world right now and I don't, even those fast phones that, that support faster speeds, that have proprietary charges for faster speeds, I actually use PD to charge them and I get 30 watt. They pretty much all support 30 watt. Okay. Even the ones that are like normally with their own supply charger do you know, 120 or 240 or whatever, or 67, they all do 30 watt PD. So a 30 watts, okay, right? Like that and my microphones and my headphones. And 30 my watt, I wish I got, because I don't get that on the Galaxy. The Galaxy S23 is uh, 25 watts. This Pixel 7 is, I think, basically 22. Yeah, but, but that's my point. This is, this is a US problem. This is not a rest of the world problem, right? And that is why for these products, they have to have these kind of charging speeds because that's what people expect. And then, of course, as you said, there's the colors. Those colors are super cool, right? I love that the Chinese phones always go crazy on the colors. That just makes me happy. They do. And the patterns. I mean, uh, the Note 12 Turbo has that white. It looks like almost like a mother of pearl or something with a, like or opal with like the depth to it. Yeah. It's such a shame that we only get that for the white. But at the same time, then that. Redmi also has the limited editions of that phone, and I am just sitting over here just green <laughs> with envy. No, actually, no. I'm, I'm sitting over here blue with envy because I would be a Ravenclaw. Mm. Yeah. So that's another thing that I love, is that they're doing these limited editions, right? And, um, like, usually that's Realme who does these, um, but Redmi is doing it as well. And it's just really cool. Like, there's this Harry Potter edition of the Redmi Note 12 Turbo. That's the one we're discussing right now. But obviously. You know, last time I did a Realme, it was the the Coca-Cola phone, but there's been like, you know, phones that are like manga themed and, you know, like I've had a whole bunch over the years. It's it's pretty amazing. If you look at my unboxing videos, you'll see them. But, you know, they all themed too. They come with wallpapers and icon packs and the whole shebang. Even and the ringtones and everything. And I'm just sitting here over here just like, I got into Android around theming. Like whenever I see these limited edition, like totally themed out phones, I'm just like, this This was my dream when I didn't even know what Android was. I just knew that this was a phone that wasn't an that wasn't uh, wasn't an iPhone but could still run apps. Yeah, I mean the the SIM removal tools are themed, and the chargers sometimes are themed, and the, it's just pretty cool. And I kind of dig it because you know, I mean, like how often do you see that anywhere else? So yeah, the Redmi Note 12 series is out and, you know, it's looking pretty delicious in terms of specs for the money. And what I really like here is, that, as you said, there's that extra special turbo edition that unfortunately is China only for now. But, you know, you never know. The thing about these phones is all of the China only editions eventually come out as global models like two or three months later, because in fact, the rest of the Note 12 series, the Pro and Pro Plus and regular Came out, I think, in January in China. So we, we're getting we're getting the global models now, which is why I'm focusing on because these are going to show up very soon on Amazon and on other sites, you know, that you can legitimately buy them at. And they support 5G in North America, limited bands, but you will still get see some 5G, especially if you're using T-Mobile or a related carrier like Mint Mobile, our sponsor. So yeah, <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, I think that you know. This is a good deal. You're getting a pretty decent experience. You're getting a pretty solid phone. I didn't talk about the processors, but this is pretty mid-range. There's a Dimensity 1080 from MediaTek on the Pro Plus and the Pro. 
And then this turbo one that's only China right now is a Snapdragon 7 Plus Gen 2. So a little higher end. Uh, the 7 Plus Gen 2, by the way, is a brand new chip uh, from Qualcomm. So that's an interesting one. And uh, yeah, the RAM and storage are pretty generous on these as well. There's no memory card, though, which is interesting because a lot of these used to. If you have a one terabyte internal storage, at that point, the micro SD slot is just something that can just like break. Like, why would you I even agree. bother? Because at, th at that point, the only thing the micro SD can do is corrupt and screw up your apps. Exactly. But I'm just pointing out that traditionally, the, at this price point, especially with the Redmi Note series, we used to get micro SD in the same way they still have headphone jacks. It's interesting, though, that they're moving away. I'm pro that because I believe it's not, I'm not more, I'm not really concerned so much about, you know, the corruption because of crappy cards, right? Because I'll use a good card. I'm more concerned about the contacts corroding inside the phone to the point where you're getting corruption on a good SD card. So like, I, I hate to say this, but people don't understand that by adding a connector and creating a cavity in the phone, you're taking out away space from the phone, you're taking structural integrity away from the phone, and you're adding a point of a failure. You're adding corrosion potential with connectors. So on one hand, I really understand that people love their SD upgrade and storage capabilities on phones, but at the same time, I think that ship has sailed, okay? Same with, you know, the batteries that are removable. That chip's never coming back because structural batteries are a thing. The reason your phone can't bend easily is not just because of the frame and the motherboard and the subframe underneath. If it's not a metal frame on the outside, it's usually a subframe inside that's metal and a plastic surround. It's because the battery is part of it. Like that's why they're glued in, guys. <laughs> you know, it keeps the phone really rigid. And you start seeing that with electric cars as well. EVs are starting to ship now with structural packs with the basically it's part of the structure of the car. It makes it less repairable, but it saves on weight and it's just a better technology overall. So now we're getting headphone jacks on these. That seems to still be happening. I'm actually not sure that headphone jacks are completely going to disappear in these markets, so places like India in particular. I don't think they will. I mean, here's the thing. If you add in the microSD uh, contacts and you have the chance of that, like, corroding contacts and whatever inside of your phone, uh, worse comes to worse, it just means you can't put a microSD card in it, or maybe it could do something to the connector and end up, like, mucking about with your actual internal storage for the 3.5 millimeter jack literally all it can do is audio input uh, audio input output so there's no real yeah, it's an analog signal so it, you can also clean it with... yeah there's there's not as much risk to the device it's yep. a standard that is still very widely used and it it's a cheap part the only issue is the amount of space it'll take up inside of a phone and the fact that most phones don't, just don't. The 3.5 millimeter jack isn't the issue. It's the fact that none of these phones are putting in a DAC worth a damn in any of these. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although that's changing. Sometimes you're surprised by these. Um, I've noticed that some of these phones will have decent DACs sometimes. And you're like, oh, wait, really? Like you, you listen to them and you're like, oh, that was a pleasant surprise. Was not expecting that. So, you know, I wouldn't always uh, say that's true, but, you know, in most cases it is true. The other thing, you know, is is they have glass fronts and back on these particular phones, but sometimes a plastic bag that looks like glass. But they went the extra step here, according to the specs. I don't think there's a metal frame on these, so it's, uh, I mean, outside frame. So there is probably a, a bit more plasticky feeling on the outside, but you're going to put it in a case anyway, right? Yeah. You're going to put it in a case, who cares? Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is all of these Chinese, and I say Chinese here in the sense that they were made in China by a Chinese company, not sold only in China, because these are global phones, except for the Turbo, come with, a, like, in the box, a TPU translucent flexible case. So you get protection and you get to still show off the beautiful color. Well, and even the special edition one in here has this really weird looking case because it's like the back of the phone, half of the back is completely just like open top to bottom. And then the other side is fully like plastic. And I'm just like, okay, were you trying to figure out if you wanted a bumper or a case and just couldn't figure it out? So you split the difference, but it's, I don't know. I love any kind of creativity or just like going outside the box we can get with cases. Um, I published like a 4,000 word diatribe essentially <laughs> on how to buy a proper case and not just like buy cheap 
crap off of Amazon. So, uh, case, cases are cases are love. Cases are life yes, for me. Cases are definitely an aura thing. And you should read her stories on Android Police. Okay, guys. But here's the thing I was trying to say is that the cases that come with these are not crap. Like they are made by the manufacturer. They're perfectly fitted. They, they will get yellow over time, unfortunately, a little bit because they are made of TPU. But depends on the manufacturer as to how quickly they yellow. Well, it also just depends how often you go outside. I mean, the yellowing is just Correct. a factor of how long you're in contact sunlight. with sunlight. Yeah. Also, I think environmental factors, if you touch with a lot of kind of like different oils kind of tend to stain these cases as well, right? So if you eat a lot of curry, for example, <laughs> you'll get curry stains on your phone in this case. Well, it doesn't even matter if you're eating anything. I have a I have a Pixel 5A case in the other room mm -hmm. that uh, it was that nice like lime green one that they put out. Uh, and I wore that for like three months with this like neon yellow pop socket. And after a couple of months, somebody was like, it was that intentional. And I look at the back of my phone and it's just like the, the, the live long and prosper symbol in brown just from the oils <laughs> in my hands from holding the phone for like, you know, yeah. six to eight hours a day for two months. <laughs> Absolutely. One last thing I just noticed that we didn't mention in the camera section that the f-stop on that 200 megapixel camera doesn't suck either. It's f over 1.7. So, you know, they clearly care about the camera on this phone. And I think that based on my experience with other Xiaomi phones, like the Xiaomi 13 Pro, which is one of the best camera phones with a one-inch sensor that I'm using right now, their image pipeline is pretty solid. Even the one that's not Leica branded. I've used Xiaomi phones extensively over the last few years. And one of the reasons I gotten excited about the Redmi Note series over all these years. And, and if you look at some of my previous reviews on Geekspan, you can see reviews of the previous models, is that the camera experience is actually not sucky. So to me, this is a, a milestone every year when the Redmi Note series comes out, because we are getting kind of like the best bang for your buck. You know, it's like when Realme comes out with their numbered series, you know, the Realme 10 being the latest, you know, you have 10, 10 Pro, 10 Pro Plus, and those phones are also really amazing for the price. It's, it's really nice to see that happening. Poco is another player. It's also owned by Xiaomi and they make variations on these. Like you're going to probably see a Poco version in some markets that are as identical to these Redmi Notes. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that Aura earlier about the Note branding on this. They started out being called Notes because back in the day when the Note series started, they were larger phones. But now it doesn't matter anymore. They're just normal sized phones. That's the problem. That's correct. And they've never had a stylus. These have never had a stylus. It's never been about stylus. It's always been about the size. But it's interesting how they kept their names, basically, despite that meaning nothing. Names are interchangeable. And at the same time, it's also one of those things that people will look for specific names, regardless of what the phone actually has. Exactly. Which is unfortunate because, yeah, when you see Note, you think it's a big <laughs> phone. And no, it's just like the standard for phone sizes these days is just like 6.5 to 6.9. And I'm just sitting over here going, where did my 5.8 inch pixels go? Yeah, that's uh... like my 4.7 inch Moto X. Like uh... I have phones that fit in my freaking pockets. <laughs> Like I wear a shoulder holster whenever I leave the house because I know that's what I love. <laughs> like it's like me, I wear cargo pants because I've got big pockets for my big phones. Well, and even last year I had the S22 Ultra for a couple of months. I had to be careful which case I put on that phone because most of them with a proper case, uh, most of the proper cases would not fit in my holster. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just too big. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I do dig your holster approach, though. It's pretty cool. So let's switch gears to the next thing. I think the Note is great, and I'm glad we are covering it. I've got the two here, so I'll let you know more maybe on the next show once I play with them a little bit. OnePlus 11 Jupiter Rock Edition. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. It's just a special edition of the OnePlus 11. It's China only right now, but I was excited because it looks super cool. It's kind of like a, a marble countertop built into your OnePlus 11. That looks like Jupiter's cloudy colored beautifulness or something. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it looks like the gas storms on Jupiter and some of the variations between the different, uh, I don't want to say stratums because these are more like over the course of the planet. So like magnetic rings almost. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is one of the cooler ones I've seen since that um, thunder purple back from like the God, which one was that? Was that the one plus? No. I want to say 60, 60, you're 100% right. Yeah. I still miss that phone a little bit. 
Yeah, they. I miss when they made the colors. See, like this, I I'm almost tempted to to ping Spencer and go, hey, send me this thing, uh, just because it's just so cool. I don't like. I'm not in love with it, but I think it's cool. And the price is, of course, in China, very reasonable at seven hundred ten dollars US with sixteen gigs of RAM and five twelve gigs of storage. This is a high end model, obviously, but there's nothing different about this phone other than the physical back panel and the goldish camera can i just say they missed a huge opportunity like they just include a generic clear tpu case with this phone like this Mm -hmm. this the case needs to be like designed like like an astronaut or something or like nasa or whatever (laughs) the space program in china is like you you just gave us a clear discovery from 2001 a space odyssey that's what needs to be hovering right next to yeah Or Star right? Trek, like give me, give me a Starfleet insignia case right over this. <laughs> yeah, but that would require licensing, and they don't want to yeah, do that. This is would. China remote; they don't care about IP over there. <laughs> I guess they probably wouldn't bother licensing it and just do it. But okay, and it it exists. I just thought I'd mention it. I'll I'll link to it. If you are wanting to rock the most unique OnePlus Eleven and show your friends. This is it. And just be aware, though, it does not ship with Oxygen OS. It ships with Color OS, which obviously is pretty much the same thing. But it's slightly enough different that also this is a Chinese version of Color OS. So if you import this phone, not only will you get less 5G band support because it's probably slightly different RF front end, you won't be able to change the launcher. Just be aware of that. Like you'll be able to install any launcher you want, but you won't be able to select it. And you won't probably be able. Then what good is it? then you won't be able to change the messaging app in the sense that you will be able to install any other messaging app for texting. And then you'll be able to even select whatever messaging app you want for texting. And every time you reboot the phone, it'll default back to the default app. That's the Chinese thing. That's how they control the people. Because they don't want you to change your your launcher because, you know, there's some... um, Probably some surveillance software in there or something. Uh, who knows? Anyway, just wants to know how many times you opened an app in a day, which regular launchers can snoop on too. Of course. Well, heck, you don't even need the launcher for that. That's something the system can tell. Like the Android system can tell you how many times you launched an app in a day. No, but they want to secretly find out and tell somebody in back end somewhere. And you know, it's it's not like anyway. I just want you to be aware, if you get this phone, it's ColorOS 13, and it's going to be that flavor of ColorOS that's only China. So you'll still get your Google support, but you'll have to jump through a few hoops. Also, speaking of phones that we'll never get here, that really I wouldn't even recommend, but I love because they're so cool in terms of technology, Huawei launched a couple of phones towards the end of last week, just after I did the podcast last week. And those are the P60 series, which is their photography-centric phone, and the Mate X3, which is their folding phone, uh, the one that folds internally, not externally, because they have different... Huawei actually has two ranges of book-style folding, internal folding and external fold. Anyway, the P60 series, though, I will try to get a review unit. I got the P50 last year. Again, you know, no GMS on this, so don't expect to be having a good experience here in the West. So that's why I don't recommend them. But if you look at what they've done with the camera systems, this is, you know, Huawei's definitely still still got it, right? It's so pretty. Like yeah, the, the, the P60 art is just so pretty with that blue and with the tapering of the uh, com- uh, camera module. Just like, give it to me. That's all I need. Just give me a pretty, pretty, a pretty phone and software that will not get in my freaking way problem being it's just since it's Huawei you can't get you can't get the software you need on it (laughs) so those of you watching on Patreon right now you know that you can get a video version of the podcast on Patreon uh, if you want to find out more listen to the end of the show but for those of you watching right now Ara is showing us all the cool photos of these phones look and let's just jump to the camera because that's what I'm excited about this has the same variable aperture sensor as the mate 50 pro last year the one that i wasn't able to get somehow but i hope i can this one so this is completely variable ara it's not like the samsung's that used to switch between two apertures this has a continuous 1.4 to 4.0 this blows my mind i don't know how they're able to do this and this has an ryyb sensor 48 megapixel with ois as the main sensor with an RYYB sensor, which is already extremely light sensitive and an f over 1.4 lens, I 
think you're going to get some unbelievable low light performance out of I this. Just, I just want to take it to the park and photograph like fireworks and then just go traipsing around Fantasyland afterward. Because this, yeah. this, this, this just looks like it's made for theme park photography. Especially since Probably. if it works well in low light environments, I'm willing to bet this would be awesome for like filming or taking photos inside of the rides. What's striking me here, Ara, is that if I look at it, I bet you with that RYYB sensor that's super light sensitive, and even at f over 4.0, you're going to get some really good low light performance, which means you can capture things with a wider depth of field, right? So sometimes you want to do that. Some, some, I love the shallow field effect. It's nice. But sometimes you want to capture the person in front and the fireworks behind. And you might be able to do that here because that sensor is so light sensitive. So that's actually pretty cool, you know? And eh, the ultra wide is kind of boring, 13 megapixels. They could have done better than that. But they do sensor fusion, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, I, I, the art version, there's a P60 art, which is like, I think, the higher end one. It's like the equivalent of the Pro Plus used to be. And that one has a 40 megapixel ultra wide. So, telephotos, we get 12 megapixel with OIS for the base model, and we get a 48 megapixel with OIS for the fancier model. These are optical 3.5 inch. So they're folded lenses with large 48 megapixel sensors, uh, similar to the Pixel you know, 7 Pro or 6 Pro where I have, that have a folded lens for a relatively small magnification. Most of the time, folded lens they're using for 5X and higher, but in this case, because there's such a large sensor behind there, they're uh, having to use a folded lens for 3.5, which supposedly using sensor fusion can do up to 100. Yeah, that's probably about as good as a Galaxy S23 Ultra, to be honest with you. <laughs> so the telephoto lens, though, has a f over 2.1 aperture, which is insane for a folded lens. I don't know how they did that. Wow. I mean, most folded lenses are in a f over 3 and higher, right? Um, this is kind of amazing. So this is using a Snapdragon 8 Plus 4G chipset. So this is uh, basically an 8 Plus Gen 1, but with a 5G deleted or 5G disabled because Huawei is not able to use their Karen chips anymore because they can't make them. And they're not allowed to use 5G chips from, like, import from anyone. They're not allowed to use 5G from, like, anybody worth using. It's that, it's that crazy ban again, you know? So, yeah. So they're funny because you used to have this, the, the Pro Plus and now they have the Art, which is kind of like the fancy fancy pants version. These are like flagships, guys. They have 6.67 LPTO OLED with 120 hertz and variable, of course. Very odd resolution of 1220 by 2700, which is not that odd because that they've been doing that resolution for a few years now. And Honor does that resolution too because Honor spawned off of Huawei and they're still using a lot of Huawei engineering. So they inherited, I think, the same suppliers and they're using the same displays. I had a conversation with them about that at IFA, actually. And they did mm -hmm. say that, yes, they're using the same supplier still, which is why there's a lot of similarities. Interesting. What else? Batteries. Just looking at spec sheet here. So 4,800 milliamp hours, uh, 66 and 88 watt charging on this regular in the Pro. And 50 watt wireless would be with nice. A proprietary, um, with a proprietary charger. The Art, though, packs a 5100 milliamp hour battery, which is a new silicon carbon, something they use in EVs. Uh, so that one seems to be a little higher capacity for the same volume, which is exactly what you get. And of course, prices are in China, remember, add at least 100 US dollars. If they ever come globally, looking at six. 57 for the regular at the lowest tier you're looking for a thousand dollars for the pro and 1300 for the art and frankly i'm not surprised because these have always been extremely high-end phones right i like that green and that purple i was going to say that lavender that lavender is yeah. so pretty. yeah but it still doesn't beat the blue of the art mm. no i agree but that white for a lesson, what a weird marble-looking one is interesting too. Yeah, no, that that that's giving me like opal and mother of pearl vibes, and I'm 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 digging it. Can we make that a thing for 2024 phones? 
That and I want to see like proper like cobalt blue phones come back. Can we get colorful phones? I'm, I mean, I have to say the, the bespoke colors on the S23 Ultra I'm digging this year for the US. I have to say for once we're getting some cool like that green. Yeah, I dig it. I found that green so ugly. Really? I don't know. Well, maybe it's just that I'm a chronic allergy sufferer, but I, I looked at that green and I went, that looks like something I threw out in a tissue a couple of days ago. Because, I mean, I <laughs> and I, I was kind of like that on the Pixel 7 colors, too. That I hated the, like, lemongrass for the Pixel 7. Right. Green is just one of those things that it can look so good or it can look so bad. And Samsung just true. completely runs the gamut on them. Because they had those, like, yeah. god-awful olive, like, Galaxy Buds 2 and the Pix- and the uh, Galaxy S21 FE uh, had that olive. And I was just like, this This just looks like a very, like, this looks like the bastard child of an army, uh, of a 1960s army uniform and baby food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I tend to like green, so I, I'm happy that they have this green, but you know, I don't know. I want more color in general. Like, I'm sick and tired of black. Well, and- I want that sky blue and that red to stop being exclusive colors and come to the main phones one of these years. Like, yeah. a red phone and a blue phone, those are the ones that we want. Those are nice classic yeah. colors. They're both expertly done. I just need them to be available on something other than an unlocked phone. Exactly. So these should be coming out globally. Huawei has indicated that. So we should be getting these in in Europe at some point, which is, you know, if you can live without GMS, this might be a thing. If you love cameras, I notice also that I believe there's no Leica branding anymore because they've that partnership has ended. But I can guarantee you, knowing Huawei's imaging expertise, that you won't miss it. It's going to be pretty damn great. The P50 Pro last year was quite amazing in terms of imaging so then the foldy one well it's very thin i guess that's about all i've got to say here i really should be talking to michael fisher about this he would be able to tell me like oh yeah this is the thing about this phone you should know about because you know for me it's just like okay it's a foldy phone it's given me those nokia 1020 vibes again with that back camera i do love that pod yeah it's pretty cool because it because it also with the like bars on the top and the bottom of the circle i'm like this is some weird mixture of like hal and uh or no maybe not hal what's the other one kits maybe uh and then the nokia 1020 because it's right okay i'm not a fan of like a huge ginormous camera module but if you're gonna give me full huge camera sensors i'm okay with having a big camera module that is properly made and properly protected Instead of having them all in either this thin little bar that is the first thing that comes in contact with a surface whenever you set your phone down, or individual little cameras, which mean that every one of them will hit separately and each one of them will break. Right. So I prefer this over what Samsung and Google have been doing for the last year. So similar to the Xiaomi Mi Fold, this is super thin at 5.3 millimeters. And on top of that, it's 11.8 millimeters folded so yeah it's um pretty pretty thin even when you have it closed it's going to feel like a slightly thicker uh normal phone 120 hertz both front and back or front and inner display and uh, cameras are well 50 megapixel main with ois 8 megapixel periscope telephoto 5x optical and a 13 megapixel ultra wide so it's not too bad you know, but I mean, for me, there are enough Chinese imports you can get that are supporting GMS fully now that are sold in Europe uh, in terms of folding, not flip form factor that I probably would skip this simply because you have to deal with all GMS tobacco and lack thereof, I should say. And also 1,840 euros. Uh, it's like 2,000 US dollars. It's a lot of money. I mean, wow. That's eye-watering <laughs> yeah i know especially when right now that phone prices are higher are mostly higher than ever and trade-in values have been just absolutely plummeting across the board yeah like this yeah. is this is the bad time to be selling phones at anything over a thousand dollars for sure for sure so anyway we've got a couple of new huawei phones to play with if you're into that i'm definitely into that p60 art because well 
photography and cameras. But the rest, you know, I could do without. Let's see. Vivo X Fold 2 is rumored to be coming. This is this is a this is a we know it's coming soon, but we don't know too much about it. This is the follow-up on Vivo's X Fold from last year, obviously. And uh that was a pretty decent phone for a lot of uh journalists that I know how had it play. I didn't play with it, but you know, it's um gonna have an 8 gen 2 this time around obviously and um yeah i mean we don't know too much about it last year's was a pretty decent phone all around it had a good a good set of features so you know this is also going to come to the west at some point like the original vivo so consider that if you're looking for a phone if you're in europe that's a foldy phone and you're like ah i should buy soon maybe wait for that vivo so we have a little bit more info and you have a bit more choices to grab right Mm-hmm. any thoughts on that one in particular do you like that red color i think that's pretty dope well is that red color actually that phone because with the uh, caption underneath it that makes it sound like it's one of the older ones. oh you're right that's the f- that's the last one yeah yeah so they, we don't know what it's going to look like although i will go ahead and say that that red needed a little bit more like metallic flake to it it didn't have the depth it didn't have the shine i do like that the hinge is a matte black or something that's cool though yeah, no, the hinge needs to be something that will not show too many smudges and will just kind of fade into the shadows when you start unfolding it. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, look, this is exciting. We're getting more folding phones for those of you who want them. And hopefully some of these are coming to Europe, at least in some of the other countries outside of China. You know, like we desperately need a flip competitor in the US. Maybe that rumored razor that's coming that has the full front cover display with the camera punched through it will deliver that no you don't think so huh i was not part of the initial like razor craze um at this (laughs) point i do not know what like literally it would have to be like some kind of like monkey's paw wish or you got just the most vengeful genie in history in order to make in order to turn around the razor and make it the uh uh the clamshell foldable like flip phone that will actually sell in 2023-2024. Like yeah. we've spent so long waiting for another razor and the last time we did that we did not get anything close to what we were hope uh, anything close to what we needed in order to have any sort of confidence going forward. It's true. But here's the thing, right? I'm keeping a positive outlook here simply because I'm hoping, I'm wanting Moto to have learned from its previous mistakes and from the flip the Z Flip, the Samsung one, and from the Oppo Find N2 Flip, which I have, and is, other than the lack of OIS and wireless charging, a better phone, in my opinion, than the Z Flip 4. So I think that, you know, it's possible that they can be competitive. Let's see if they can. Let's, let's, let's say that they will. And that way, you know, because we know this Razor's coming to us and canada so you know having some competition europe now has the oppo flip and like i want to see more because there's a lot of folds you can buy and import that have gms and stuff you know xiaomi bbk group with oppo and vivo have them and of course huawei which without gms you don't really want to deal with but but at least it shows us what hardware is possible we have a lot of choices on folding ones but very very few choices on flippy ones you know what i'm saying and that's i prefer the flip factor myself like i i i want more flippy that's why i'm gonna try to stay positive about moto i know moto often messes stuff up but let's just hope that this time they've seen what samsung's done they've seen what oppo's done and they did their homework and from the looks of it having a big cover display you know that's the one thing that moto did well on the previous razors like you know mm-hmm. when i talked to michael who's the expert at this he's like yeah i eventually had to put it down because it just wasn't good enough anymore but that was the one thing that i miss on my z flip 4 right he's like it was just the real estate on that screen is just yeah because the cover screen on the flip 4 was one of those things that i thought i would love it and i thought i would use it all the time and it's just too small to do anything with. Like, you can't even read full notifications on it worth a damn. Yeah, and like on, an, on the Oppo Flip, they have enough real estate for you to expand notifications, but the software doesn't do it. Like, this yeah. is just a software update away from showing you a little more on that. It's really large, that screen. Compare, do you know that at 3.4 whatever inches, the Oppo Find N2 Flip screen is bigger in size than the original you know, G1 T-Mobile Android phone. So you could theoretically have a keyboard on there and use it. 
Amazing, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Rest in peace, G1. <laughs> Rest in peace, G1. More folding f- rumors. We've seen some prototypes of this from both TCL and Samsung before and others, but there is now a rumor that Samsung might be actually launching a trifold phone in the next year or two. And I wouldn't put it past them because, you know, wh- where do you go next, right? Like you go even more crazy. So um, there's some rumors floating around about that. And how do you feel about that? I, this is going to sound <laughs> sacrilegious. I only have so much RAM in my head. So when it comes to like, especially like fold flip, any, any experimental like concepts and rumors around those, I just kind of have to go, these are some very nice dreams. I can't wait to see when one of them will actually come true. Yeah, I feel the same way. Honestly, this is more like... Especially when foldables, we're starting to get more adoption. We're starting to get more market share with them. But it's still in such an infancy infancy here in North America compared to everywhere else because we've basically only had... We've had Samsung, and then we've had a couple of motor razors that just left us wanting way too much more. 100%. But I thought it'd be a great segue because we were talking about folding phones, and I was like, next topic is... The Galaxy S23 camera updates. And I was like, oh, look, a Samsung trifold. Like, we can spend like 30 seconds to segue. <laughs> and it worked because, you know, here we are. I will say for trifolds, I'd love to be as hopeful about them. But considering how much problem one hinges, having to deal with two doesn't strike me as something that's going to come off well for the, uh, and the amount of time it will take them to do it uh, that properly will probably be the time between us getting folding phones and us reaching the point where we have like life model decoy hologram phones of some kind. Right. So Samsung Galaxy S23 camera update rolling out in Korea. We don't have it yet. It's coming to the West. You, if you have an unlocked Galaxy S23 of any kind, this should be rolling out first on the unlocked, hopefully very soon thereafter on the carrier versions. This is what we've been waiting for, at least hopefully. We, there's been some rumors for a while now of some camera improvements. And um, apparently they're going to fix the lag. So <laughs> that's a big one. Uh, will they fix the crazy HDR? I don't know. I but, mean, um, HDR and Samsung have always kind of been like frenemies, it feels like. True. But I mean, I'm, I'm also one of those people who Samsung's... D, uh, Samsung's taste when it comes to, like, the computational photography and, like, figuring out what makes a better picture. Like, I always just feel like it's a little too oversaturated. So, Samsung looks great during the day, but the moment you take it inside or the moment you take it out at night, it just falls so far beneath everything else that I use. Yeah. Pixel. Pixel. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. But, like, there's other improvements here that are possibly noteworthy. Better autofocus which is already pretty yes. decent, that we're going to get uh, improvement in low-light video. I'll believe that when I see it. What I want to yeah. see it when it comes to, like, low-light, because Samsung at night tends to, like, overexpose everything, like, I, I am so used to, if I tap, some, uh, I'm going to pull up my camera, I'm going to take, like, a picture of the castle or the picture of the big ball at Epcot. I'll tap it, and then I have to go to that little brightness slider underneath, and I will try and slide it all the way to uh, all the way down. And more mm-hmm. than half the time when I do that, instead of it moving it all the way down, it flips from the main camera to the selfie. Oh, Because yeah. that's the exact same gesture. I know, it's such a pain. There's some user interface issues around that, for sure. Well, and, and you have to, um, unlike Pixel, where you can, like, drag down the shadow and b- drag up the brightness as you desire. Like, if you do that, it'll stay that way for as long as the camera app is open or until you hit the reset button. For Samsung, every time you change autofocus, you have to pull that back down. Right. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it simply because I use the S23 Ultra a lot for my car photography. And, uh, you know, any improvement, especially the latency, is uh, is welcome. Uh, this also comes with April 23 security update. So that's a nice little bonus. So, yeah, expect that to land. This is a much more universal piece of news for us here because we're actually talking about phones that some of you already use, uh, including you, Ara. And myself for the car stuff. Uh, Moto Edge 40 series is leaked. This is only here because, well, I believe, I want to believe that one day Moto will make a competitive flagship inside the US. Because here's the thing. 
The Edge series outside the US, the Edge 30, previously Edge 20, especially the Pro models and the Ultra models they've made, have been awesome. And when Verizon gets their dirty hands on these and turns them into US models, they do things like remove the metal frame, put a plastic frame, remove the OIS, or change the main sensor, or do God knows what to these to make them worse. A remove wireless charging is another favorite of Verizon. Add stupid millimeter wave, another favorite of Verizon. Look, the point is, I've given Moto kudos for making that magenta phone, the 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 one that was Pantone branded that smelled yes. like roses. I got a review in it. It had a scent that went with the magenta color. It was ridiculous. Did it come with a bottle of perfume or was it just kind of like, like the new car smell and it just wore off over time? No, it was just the whole box was scented. The whole oh, box was scented. No. And, and so the phone was scented for a while after that. I believe I'll let you guys know. It's been a month since so, so since I put it in storage. If my entire drawer or just the phone itself smell like roses, but that phone was exactly what I want from Moto. Unlocked. It was a global model brought to the U.S. No compromise. Metal frame, all the settings, all the features. Now it was a mid-range phone in terms of specs, but I loved that Verizon didn't like just deface it, you know, and so. Here's what we're getting in in Europe is basically what I'm putting out here on this link that I'm going to share from GSM Arena. If you're living abroad and you are looking forward to getting a Moto Edge 40 or 40 Pro, this is the spec sheet you get. So in that article and what we're looking at is, you know, basically similar to the X series from Moto, which is the Chinese flagship. So X40 uh, versions of these phones. So 165 hertz OLED display. I don't know why that refresh rate. Who cares? I mean, even gamers probably don't need more than 120. I could be wrong, but you know, correct me if you guys feel like I sh you should have a... If you think you need 144 or 165 hertz display, let me know. I, I doubt it, though. I still can't entirely tell with 120, honestly. Neither can I. Like one certainly can't tell 144. Like this, this phone allegedly has 120, but since it's very old refresh, I'm just like, I'm not sure I've ever seen this actually go at 120 hertz unless I'm just like flying through chapters of some webcomic trying to figure out what scene I was on. Yeah, the other thing is people always tell me, well, you know, like like the manufacturers, they tell me, well, you know, like when people play games, they want the high refresh rate. Then you go check out which games support the high refresh rate. It's like three, okay, or whatever. Like I'm like. Then why are you making phones with 144 and 165 hertz? Like, I don't get it. Like, the refresh rate for the screen doesn't matter as much as the input rate. Like, we, we anticipate stuff happening when we're in a mobile game. We will tap yeah. before we actually even see the move. Correct. And that matters more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So looking quickly at the specs here, you know, so the, the Edge Pro has a 165. The Edge has a uh, 144 their oled display at 1080p lots of ram and storage you got snapdragon 8 gen 2 uh you know i mean these are really nice phones um i love these color names i know aren't they great angel falls yeah. uh the viva magenta is there so that should hopefully look good for those of you who don't believe that moto can make phones that are water resistant yes it's just verizon removes that ip68 on these okay wireless charging on these okay and you know uh 68 watt charging on the edge at 4400 milliamp hour and we've got an even bigger battery 4600 it was 125 watt charging on the pro see this is what i'm talking about you look at these specs and you're like yeah this is a real phone this is the real deal you know 50 megapixel main camera on the regular one you know there's a dimensity 820 on the non-pro and of course the snapdragon agent 2 i mentioned that both have the 50 megabooks ultra wide and you know they're just not messing about this is why can't we get this here okay that's all i'm saying horizon don't mess this up because you know you're going to <laughs> Uh, anyway, look, I'm not a Moto fan. Like, you know that. Like, I like their phones, but they're not really my thing. Generally, I would don't think I'd own one. But here's the thing. If they gave us better phones that are sold by Verizon and the carriers, I think they'd have a better chance. You know, that's basically all I'm saying. Well, the problem isn't that they want to sell these phones. These are the phones that they want to give away to people who exactly. don't, who yeah. are too stupid to realize that, oh, I can get a 
if I have any sort of like modern smartphone that I can trade in, I can get a free Galaxy S23 or I can get a free whatever. Uh, and they're like, oh, this phone is free with my contract. Okay, that'll be good enough. Yeah, that's true. A lot of the people comment on my Moto videos on my YouTube or talk to me about the Moto phones on the on Twitter and stuff are like telling me, yeah, I got a good deal. So I bought two of these, one for me and my spouse kind of thing. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, but there's still the Verizon GIMPed version. Sorry for using that word. I know it's not the best word to use, but, but you know, it's just like, ugh. anyway. Uh, the final piece of news is just more of a PSA for folks. A worldwide developer conference, Apple's developer conference, will be happening June 5th. Expect two weeks of Apple, all the things, and not a single piece of Android news that can make its way through for that time frame. So I'm warning cool. you now. Since Another two weeks I can go on vacation. Awesome. I know, right? Exactly. As you all know, we're more Android-centric on this podcast, mostly because Apple ignores me. They didn't used to when I was at Engadget, but I was at Engadget, so of course they didn't used to. But <laughs> um, I have not received a device from them in years, and I'm not about to spend money on phones since I get pretty much everything else sent to me from everyone else. So... You know, Apple, if you're listening and want to send me a phone, please do. Otherwise, I'll buy probably an iPhone someday again. You know, I've been seeing this, Ara, for... I bought an iPhone 11. I like to have an iPhone around for testing, but I also use iPhones for video. All my YouTube videos are recorded on iPhone because I still believe that Apple makes best video recording today. You know, but that being said, for since I bought my iPhone 11, which I bought about six months in, so around the holidays, Christmas, I've been saying, oh, yeah, I'll buy another iPhone in a year or two. And then it's we're going to get the 15 soon. And I still have an iPhone 11. So that tells you a lot about my interest in upgrading my iPhone. But I think it's about time that I traded in. But it also tells you that how long lasting those devices have been that they've held out for this long. I have no complaints. The only thing I don't like about my iPhone 11, frankly, is that it's not an OLED. And it's also I bought the stupidly the base model so i run out of storage all the time yeah see that apple hasn't upgraded its default storage option enough in these in this day and age just kills me because it's like they've never ever had micro sd that was never going to be a thing and they're like oh you can use like wireless drives or cloud storage in order to augment i'm like no because at some point i'm going to be stuck on a plane and i'm not going to have enough room to download a video to watch exactly all I'm trying to say is that I was in my mistake. I should have known better. But because I only record one or two YouTube videos at a time and then I delete them, it doesn't matter that much. But next time, I'll just make sure to get a little bit more space. And of course, whichever phone I buy next will have OLED probably, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. All right. All right. Tell folks where they can find you on the internet and your various social media handles and all that good stuff. Um, Y'all can find me at Android Police. As for social media... Handle on both Twitter and Mastodon is uh, at Arawagco, A-R-A-W-A-G-C-O. Do you have an Instagram account to use that? I do. I have Insta. I, I need to start getting into using it again. It's one of those things that I'll, I'll post like every once every couple of months. And then other than that, I just like scroll through a bunch of Insta artists and then DM with a friend. What's your handle? Same one. It's the uh, A-R-A-W-A-G-C-O. Awesome. Well, folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L, on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm also on Mastodon, but I haven't really started using it. So you know that for the podcast, we generally do the, the comments on Twitter. So you ping me and are on Twitter, if you'd like, about this podcast. And you may or may not get responses, but for me, you definitely will. So Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures of cars and pretty pictures of travel, food, of course, <laughs> uh, all taken with phones. So if you want to... Follow me there. You can do that. Same handle as Twitter, at Tank Girl. Just if you forget, just drop the vowels. It's like Tank Girl, the comic book, but drop the vowels. And uh, of course, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. And if you can rate or review the show, please consider doing that. If your app lets you, that would be awesome. 
YouTube channels. There's a couple, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast and youtube.com slash mobile tech more. If you want to subscribe to them, you know how YouTube works. Like, tell your friends, click the bell, comment, all that stuff. The first channel is mostly about phones and direct peripherals like uh, the wearables and, you know, personal audio and things like that. And then the second channel is more about like all the rest of it, like home automation and and car tech and travel accessories and things like that. So check them out. And finally, there's a Patreon. If you want to watch me and Ara on video, you know, being silly, please join the Patreon. And if you want to help me financially join the Patreon, that's really what it's for. The video is a bonus. You get it a day before the audio version because you're paying a little extra for that. And I appreciate you for doing that. So consider the Patreon, patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. There's also a Discord server you can join and a bunch of other perks there uh, that you can get through your Patreon. So check it out. And I want to thank our sponsor, Mint Mobile. So as you know, I'm constantly reviewing multiple phones. And while that's fun, it also means I'm constantly spending a lot of money for wireless service on multiple SIMs. That's where Mint Mobile comes in. And that's who I'm partnering with for today's podcast. If you also want to save money on your wireless service, switch to Mint Mobile. As tech-savvy early adopters, you've probably heard of Mint Mobile before, but let me quickly tell you how awesome their service is. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network. They keep costs low because they sell direct to you online. They cut out the retail stores and salespeople. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? In my experience testing phones, Mint Mobile delivers the same data speeds and call quality as the big three for a fraction of the cost. Switching to Mint is super easy. Thanks to their eSIMs, you can sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your home. No more standing around and waiting in line at a big wireless store. You can keep your current device and phone number and easily switch services. And if your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM free of charge. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, lightning fast 5G, and free mobile hotspot. Mint will show you how much data you use each month and recommend plans that save you money. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up a super affordable family plan with as little as two lines. Use my link mintmobile.com slash mobile tech to get premium wireless starting for $15 a month. That's mintmobile.com slash mobile tech. Stop paying more than you need on your wireless bill and start saving big with Mint Mobile. And of course, I want to thank you, Ara, for being my guest. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me on. It's, it's still weird to come on to other people's podcasts, but it's fun when I get to. Well, we'll definitely have you on at some point in the future. And folks, you know, we'll have another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.